Welcome to the Neurodiverse Toolbox with Sheila Kieschlin and Paige Kieschlin. Good afternoon, Paige. Good afternoon, Mom. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> but you're not okay. You just don't feel well. Yeah. Thank you for not coughing on me. You're welcome. Um, I love you. Yes. So today we're talking about what you call frenemies. Okay. Frenemies, but I think they're actually called cormid, cor cor something okay. I can't pronounce. Comorbid? Comorbid. That's why I say frenemies because I, for whatever reason, can't. Because when I looked it up, when I typed in ADHD frenemies, <laughs> nothing popped up. Or friends who, like, fake friends. Like, an actual frenemy. Right. That's the only thing that popped up. That's funny. Like, I need to use the So, word. most people call them homorbid conditions. Yes. Or co-occurring conditions. I feel like frenemies works, though. But exactly. So, like you've always called them together, frenemies. But it's not really, like, a friendship. Because they work against they each other They work sometimes. against each other. Which I think makes a lot of sense. Yes. And so... I think it's a funny word to use for it. So, mm -hmm. so we're sort of just running through things that a lot of people know are frenemies. Some to, that you may not and know. And some that you may not know. Because right? I learned some stuff. Awesome. I'm glad you learned some stuff where you were researching. So how do you want to do this? Do you just want to so go through I guess like. We'll just go through, through it. Through each individual neurodiversity. Yeah. Thank you. I'm spilling my lunch. Um, so let's start with ADHD. Okay. ADHD. So, um, they had, I guess you have it further down, but so with ADHD, you can have anxiety, depression. Um, I don't know. Quite a large percent, right? So yeah. like 47% of people have, um, anxiety of oh. some kind, you know, broken down into different forms of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, 38% have mood disorders. So, um, most popular ones, I don't know, okay. most popular ones, uh, major depressive disorder, dysthemia and bipolar. Right. So I think those are the ones that most people would expect us to say. Yeah. What else? Um, so depression, um, sensory processing disorder and auditory processing disorder. I was going to put them in. So I guess it could be also in the autism section. But when I did that, a lot of the a lot of the things were saying how the two are like two different things and that they don't really like it look like they look like each other. Because mm. when you're autistic, you automatically kind of already have sensory processing, processing and yes. auditory processing things often awesome. so so they don't count as a separate diagnosis i don't think so that's why i put it in the adhd thing but i suppose you could have autism and auto auditory processing disorder it would be quite unfortunate but i guess it could be possible what else um <clears throat> um so other neurodiversity so like dyslexia dyscalculia autism tourette dysgraphia, dysgraphia Threats. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then sleeping dis sleep disorders, which you didn't have on here, but I thought was one. Yep. Um, so 
like one is restless leg syndrome. I've very done, common. I've had um, multiple clients. 44% of people with ADHD have it compared to the 2% of the general population that have it. That's quite an increase. I did research on it. I feel like this is might be why my, my bed ends up like a tornado every morning. Because I think I have this. Interesting. They're herbs. <laughs> herbs. We'll have a discussion weighted, offline. Also <laughs> weighted blankets. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's something sleep breathing disorders so like, so apnea. like apnea sleep apnea um there is insomnia obviously i like to call it insomnia. insomnia i did not coin that term somebody else did i can't remember who but oh. it was often that you can't fall asleep because you're thinking oh right so think insomnia uh-huh. right. um then obviously your i can't pronounce that mm-hmm. but like your sleep clock your, your sleep clock is mm-hmm. off and then um sleep talking was something that came up sleep talking sleep walking um sleep whining sleep depending walking. on who it is um <laughs> and then there were other things so sleep talking and nightmares are something that i guess is common with adhd hyperactivity type mm-hmm. and then sleep apnea is some oh sleep and in the combination type and then the nightmares yeah sleep apnea is common in 25 percent of people with adhd and when and then there was a study that found that two-thirds of people with adhd found it hard to get a good night's sleep so that's 60 percent, 67 percent of people wow that's a lot of that's a lot of that's a lot of people aren't sleeping well sleep's super important too Mm -hmm. it's been attached to all kinds of health issues something called hypersomnia is i guess kind of pretty common in people who have the inattentive type of adhd so that would be they sleep too much that's what hyper would mean in front of somnia and then obvious and then the last one is odd so and that's more common in the hyper impulsive and um combinated combination, combination type of ADHD than it is in right. the inattentive <clears throat> type. So do you want to just say a little bit more about what ODD is? Because so, everybody might not know what that is. ODD, um, oppositional defiance disorder, is when a child acts out persistently, so they are causing like serious problems um whether it's at home or at school wherever um so it might look like extreme extreme anger management yeah um they're more likely to act out outside of the home so people who to people who like know them well so like to a parent and then, like, in school, you're like, oh, your child's an angel. And then you're like, what child are you getting? Because mm-hmm. that's not the child I have. Um, and ODD usually starts before the age of eight, but it can happen in adolescence. I feel like it would be more like, oh, they're just being a teenager. So I could see how that could be problematic. Right. <clears throat> so. But it is really extreme. Right. There, there's like there's a huge loss of temper. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, 
and then behaviors. Yeah. So, um, blaming others for blaming other people for their mistakes. Mm -hmm. So not taking the blame or responsibility for their actions. Yeah. Uh, deliberately annoying others. It sounds like just being a sibling. It does. We have to think like, if this is a symptom of something, then Mm -hmm. it's that intensity and frequency that's happening. Right. So if it's more often than that, you're, little brother occasionally poking you and it's like you know every day multiple times a day all day Mm -hmm. that that's then it's and then um wanting to like hurt someone because they hurt you yes um and then obviously like becoming easily annoyed with others Um, so we i guess like even with like small things then so like if someone like not just like oh that person's chewing loudly that's really annoying it's a person staring at me. That person looked at me. That person looked <laughs> at me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, what else? Um, so conduct disorder. Apparently not what I thought it was because I got my information off of Wikipedia. So I thought so something don't research completely there. different. But conduct disorder is diagnosed when a child shows behavioral patterns of aggression towards others and serious violations of rules and social norms, which made me kind of think, because Google says that it's like the precursor of being a psychopath, like having psychopathy. So I thought like, oh, little, little psychopaths. Yeah, no. Which I guess. But I think ODD can be a precursor of conduct disorder. I I thought someone was. That's why I was like super confused. I don't think that's true, but okay, Wikipedia. But no, don't do research on Wikipedia. Don't do research on Wikipedia. Um, And so... What might be some things that you see in conduct or disorder? So, right, so they um, breaking the law, breaking the law and being jailed, um, and when you have ADHD, having ADHD makes <laughs> the child more likely to be diagnosed with it than their peers are, because that's what this episode is all about. <laughs> um, so breaking serious rules such as running away, staying out late. So it's not like, oh, this child TP'd the next door neighbor's house. That's harmless. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> it's this child ran away or um, graffitied. graffitied a public building or whatever, or was drinking when they excessively. shouldn't be excessively or really young right yeah. like you kind of expect like seniors in high school to be drinking yeah. even though they shouldn't don't do that don't do that like but, a 13 or 14 but you don't expect to see like yeah an 11 year old to what yeah yes um um being aggressive in ways that can harm so waving a necklace fighting um, animals, lying, um, stealing, damaging other people's property. It kind of sounds like mini psychopaths. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Well, These are all things be. that happen when you, a psychopath is super young. That's true. They start out by killing animals. I mean, maybe there is a relationship. I don't know. I don't know. And we're not doctors. So we're not. Um, but, you know, I just find if you know somebody doing those things, you should probably get them to a psychiatrist. Yes. Um, so other things that um, overlap would be substance abuse disorders, whether it's alcohol or drug. Um, also, um, different types of anxiety. 
Which all different kinds of anxiety, right? So yeah. we're not going to do individual ones, but as a group, anxiety disorders for sure. Um, <clears throat> intermittent dis- explosive disorder. I don't know what that is, It, but that sounds... Uh, there was a true crime thing that I watched okay. and a child had it. Um, it's like this little boy had, like, was sent home from a camp and this other little boy was walking there and this littler this other young boy lured him into the woods and you can figure out what happened next he went to jail and they learned that he had intermittent explosive disorder which i think just means they're like really really angry so they're i think it's like an anger disorder it i think flares that's what i understood by it that i mean that that makes sense based on the term um i think um obesity which is gonna lead to all kinds of other things but right but the prevalence of obesity increases about 70 percent with people who have adhd right so if you break it down into like overweight or obese so there's a clinical difference there um then um you know obesity leads to high blood pressure heart disease stroke whatever the hell it's called um gout gout comes from diabetes um um so all i mean like obesity causes all kinds of things arthritis all kinds of other things um pulmonary conditions i I walk past people at the store when i grow grocery shopping this woman was asking me for help and she was leaning against her cart and she was just out of breath just by walking through the aisle sweetheart um, you don't you don't go down this aisle. And then there's PMDD, which is a very um, um, menstrual dysphoric disorder. Mm-hmm. So it's to to say that it's PMS on steroids. on steroids is that doesn't really fully appreciate what it truly is. Appreciate so um it's just a a bad way to describe it so this goes in both categories Mm -hmm. of uh women with autism and women with adhd so but for women with adhd it is 46 percent of the population and for women in with autism it is 92 percent of the population dodged the bullet with this one i know on the on the whole in a population it's like like I've read different numbers anywhere from like two to 12%. So I think it depends on less. Yes. Significantly less. Right. So, so it has a lot of emotional issues. Some that you would expect with PMS, mm-hmm. right? Like crying spells or feeling out of control, irritability, those kinds of things. Right. But there's also like agitation, anger, um, feeling like you're um, out of control loss of interest in activities or relationships, moodiness, panic dis, um, panic attacks, uh, paranoia, thoughts of suicide, sadness, right? No, that's what I'm saying. Like to say that it's just like PMS. It's not just like PMS at all. And then there are physical conditions as well, right? So some that you would also expect with just like having a cycle, um, bloating, back pain, acne, swelling and tenderness uh, <laughs> excuse me gi issues vomiting diarrhea cramps dizziness headaches 
heart palpitations, appetites and changes, joint or muscle pain, muscle spasms, extremely painful periods, um, a reduced sex drive. So I would say like, like, you know, I have back pain with my periods too, but it's not the same, right? So like all of these things, even if you get them with like regular PMS or just with your cycle in general, that it's significantly higher. Um, if you have PMDD, you have a couple difference. of clients that have it, uh-huh. right? So it's really could be very serious. Um, and then there's a whole relationship that they're really starting to do a lot more research on about having ADHD and being more likely to get headaches or migraines. So part of it is related to the fact that you're some people, particularly if you have the hyperactive, um, impulsive type or a combination, you're more likely to be impulsive. And because you're impulsive, you do riskier behaviors. And because of those riskier behaviors, you're more likely to get a concussion and then have post-concussion syndrome, which means you have more headaches. So there's that piece of it, but there's also a piece that just says in general, even without ever having a concussion, people with ADHD get more migraines and headaches than other people do. And the fun little twist here, fun little twist, is that stimulant medications can cause migraines and that medication to prevent migraines can exacerbate ADHD symptoms. So you really need, you really need a doctor or a prescriber who, first of all, knows that there's a connection between the two of these things. Um, and then it knows how to prescribe accurately, you know, for, for aligning those things. Right. Um, so let's move on to autism. Awesome. Okay. So anxiety found in 84% of people with autism, um, depression, 26% of people with autism compared to the I don't know what number. 8%. Eight. Is that supposed to be an eight? It's uh, an amp symbol. It's a, uh, an ampersand is on the number seven. So I guess it was seven. seven. Okay. I wasn't sure. So problems with notes. Um, so process, sensory mm-hmm. processing disorder. I've already went over this. Mm-hmm. Um, learning disability, learning disorder. So ADHD. They can also have dyslexia, dyslexia, dysgraphia, calculus, all of the things, plus other, um, like nonverbal, there's like nonverbal communication reading disorders. Um, so all of a whole slew of reading disorders could potentially be there. That's unfortunate. Um, epilepsy found in 35% compared to 1% of the general population. That surprised that. me. I didn't know that at I all. I didn't know that autism. either. Um, GI issues, so like IBS, um, GERD, 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 GERD. Yeah, it's like is a that what it reflux kind of? Okay. Um, abdominal pain, excessive gas, constipation, diarrhea. A lot of that comes though from the sensitivities that they have and their um, unwillingness, unwillingness to eat. A wide variety of food, including you know, green things, green things, um, things that are supposed to be green, um, right? But I think in general, uh, I think another piece of it is that a lot of people 
with autism kind of live in a state of fight or flight, which means their vagus nerve is always tight. And if your vagus nerve is always tight, then you're, um, you're not in your parasympathetic system, which means that your body isn't fully able to digest food the way it should be able to digest food. All right. So you need to like really learn to relax to help some of that. So I think some of it is like they're kind of tight anyway, right? Their, their vagus nerve is tight and it's all around their intestines. Um, and part of it is the poor diet that many people with autism have. We are talking in gross exaggerations again, because mm-hmm. um, you eat a wide variety of foods. Me too. Um, probably because we didn't diagnose you, you didn't know. later and we were like, eat your dinner. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I think that's where a lot of the GI issues right. come from. So what else? Um, metabol- metabolic disorders. So that's like... That would be like the inability to like digest certain foods. Oh, right. Um, sleep, uh, self-harming, sleeping disorders. So, um, like night tears were something that I came across a lot. Night tears, sleepwalking, sleep talking, insomnia, not being able to sleep. All the fun stuff. All the fun things that we love to do when we sleep. Um, fragile X syndrome. That surprised me too. Yeah, me too. So just people who are neurodiverse may not know. Oh, okay, so fragile, fragile X. X. So it's part one of the, so mm-hmm. your X chromosome ha- the, has one part of the X chromosome has a defect in it or a defective piece that appears pinched or fra- and fragile when viewed in a microscope. So it causes some, it causes fragile X syndrome. I don't know other exactly what it, it is. So but... like other things about fragile X, like the small information I know is like, they have to be really careful because their bones break okay. like super, right. super easily. Yeah. Like, like they can't participate in like and- PE at all or sometimes even just like getting jostled in the hallway can you imagine a really crowded high school like you of course you get that's gonna happen right exactly so they usually like do a passing period before or after Mm. when the hallway is empty um so they can't play like team sports anything um they can't can't do do bumper cars they can't do like a lot of laser tag probably oh no because you're in the dark (laughs) right because if they tripped or they fell that could be really serious for them um right so one in three children who have fragile x syndrome also meet the diagnostic criteria for autism right so that's a lot right so like one in 25 kids with autism have so it goes both ways right um um ADHD we already said that eating disorders which we talked about in another podcast so I'll link that one and then bipolar bipolar is more common in ADHD or is it just more more like it's it's similar so people are being diagnosed with it no 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 so in um well that does happen I know but additionally it is one of the mood disorders 
that they that it is right. at nineteen percent. So, um, so I did mention that earlier, yeah. but um, I have a couple of clients that have bipolar and ADHD. Um, you should do DBT therapy. So they should if they do, um, or me. Uh, DBT therapy was designed for people who have bipolar. Oh, so not me. And then it has been altered or changed a little bit to also help people who are neurodiverse. Okay. So either way. Either way. DBT is a good therapy to do. Okay. And then I did one for dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Um, so ADHD, <laughs> up to four in 10 people with dyslexia also have ADHD. Right. Um, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, other language or speech disorders, Um, anxiety up to 29%. I would be anxious too. If I was called out to read in front of a class. Yeah, that's not fun. I would be pretty anxious. I wouldn't consider myself anxious now, but definitely in school, I was the kid who like, Please how small can I make myself (laughs) in class so they don't call on me to read? Um, I don't know what this means, but the internet kept saying executive function disorders. So there is a disorder called executive function disorder okay, that is separate from ADHD. That was a thing, it so, is. It's okay. separate from ADHD. It doesn't. Um, you don't have all the same characteristics. That's good. Right, like they have trouble like planning. Yes. But they don't have trouble getting motivated to do something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um dyspraxia up to 85 percent of dyslexic people have dyspraxia as well dyspraxia is oh oh, we didn't put dyspraxia in the autism thing either because those two go hand in hand too um giftedness i didn't really know what to call that because it's not really i mean it's not really a negative thing i know i mean you could put that in autism too right i mean some people called some people think of autism or or um asperger's as the genius gene right not everyone not everyone who's who has asperger's is a genius no no not everybody is but there is a disproportionate number of people who live in the silicon valley who have asperger's or autism their school district has more students with autism than other school districts as well interesting are we sure that's just not california no no something in california it's specifically in the that Silicon Valley where oh. all those tech companies are. Interesting. Which makes sense, Again, right? That, that tracks. <laughs> I know a lot of those people move there for their jobs. But and what anyway, else? Um, I don't know how to pronounce this, but I came across it. It's amusia or amusia. something. The inability to play a musical instrument. And there's different types, too. I would totally agree with that. I cannot. There's there's a type where there's like specifically like you can't read music. You can't hum or sing to the notes. So tone deafness. This is totally me. I do not know this is a thing. A bunch of different things. And I looked it up while I was at work. I was like, that's a thing. I've never heard of that. But that makes so much sense because I always have trouble like. I can remember the words to a song, but I can't always remember the tune to the song. And they can't like hum to it. You can't read. There's a type where you can't read music. There's this, like a bunch of different types. Well, I, I need to do some research. <laughs> um, this is fascinating. And then ODD was one of them, 17%. So, I mean, like, it's not very. 
it's not but as high as it's ADHD, not as high, but, but still, it, it was it's a lot of it. Yeah. Then it's a super impaired balance. Half of children with dyslexia, and then one in five adults with dyslexia. That makes have sense. Impaired balance because a part of the treatment for dyslexia is balance training. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Income. It's like a go-to treatment for it. Yeah. Also, they're starting to find that that's also a really good for ADHD as well. Because mm-hmm. remember when we talked to Lisa last yeah, week? That she, we were talking about how it's cardio uh, agility training and balance training. So um, if your brain's neurodiverse, I would say balance training is probably a good idea. Mm -hmm. Either way. Cool. Um, And we didn't do the other neurodiversity. We didn't do, I wanted to do Tourette's because we never talk about Tourette's. We don't talk about Tourette's. uh, Poor Tourette's. Uh, Sorry, Tourette's. We Um, we should. Okay. We'll do a whole episode. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we'll have to learn a whole bunch though. Yes. Um, but like, they it goes the other way for for dyscalculia and um, dyspraxia. Yeah. Like a lot of the same things would overlap that right. way as well. Um. So yeah. Any other? Well, I mean, I had I didn't write it down, so I don't remember the exact things that it said, but with the sleeping disorder thing for ADHD and the breathing, apparently there was this study and with kids who had breathing, sleeping, breathing, sleep, breathing problems and people who got their tonsils removed and it, and it, it improved both the sleeping thing, the sleeping, breathing problems and problems in ADHD. Really? Yeah. So all I need to do is have your tonsils removed? Oh, I don't have sleep apnea. That's true. And I don't have problems breathing when I sleep. I don't think that you know of. I don't think You're in that room all by yourself. I am. No, I'm sure you don't. (laughs) You did have night terrors though. I could record myself (laughs) and see what I, and like listen to see what I did. You did used to have, I I think you were having nightmares because you used to whimper, right? In your sleep. Which is very sad. That is really sad. Um, I don't remember having them. And um, well, I'm glad you didn't remember the nightmares. Um, and you definitely Slept would sleepwalk. I remember those. You would sleepwalk and you would sleep talk because you would get up and have a whole conversation with me. And they would sound talk like legit butterflies. Legit. Okay, not that <laughs> one. But some of them would sound like legit conversations. You'd come out and you'd be like, I forgot to tell you, I have to, you know bring something to school tomorrow, whatever it was. Oh, interesting. And I'd be like, we'll talk about it in the morning. And you'd get mad. No, I have to tell you now. And that's how I would know you were actually asleep is because you would start to get like progressively agitated and upset with me. Um, But sometimes you would just come out like in tears and we couldn't get out of you what was wrong. Um, And we would just have to to bed, rub your back, get you back to sleep. reason we couldn't have bunk beds anymore. Yeah, no, you don't want bunk beds when you have somebody who's sleepwalking. When I'm on the, I have and the other the person, and the other person you're sharing with is uses a wheelchair full time. She can't be so, No, not a good you scene. Put her up there. When she her down, there was a there was a thing. Oh no, I don't trust that rail. Um, all right, I never fell. Cool. Um, thank goodness you didn't fall. Um, anything else? Mm-mm. All right, say goodbye. Bye.
Thank you for listening. If you wanted to coach with me, see my information at bigbangcoaching.net. If you are interested in emailing us, you can reach us at thendtoolbox at gmail.com. And if you wanted to see our website, please go to theneurodiversetoolbox.podbean.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neurodiverse Toolbox. 